Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. I could not get you to stop talking. What a woman speak. Do you see what I'm saying? How to break through with your spouse, your partner. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. How did you handle this? The man's kind of got it good. I feel like you're getting off on a little bit of soapbox. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Lover Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. And we have been married for 15 years. And we're wrestling through a question. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a family? Yeah, that's a big question right there. And so over the next two years, we're going to be interviewing probably 100 different people or uh, partners or couples that, um, that are wrestling through similar things. That's right. So today, though, we get the opportunity to talk with Terrence and Cecilia Lester. They are the founders of Love Beyond Walls. It is a nonprofit that is raising awareness of societal needs and mobilizing people to take a part in it. They're amazing. Yes, they are. He actually just recently um, was uh, spotlighted by some really incredible civil rights heroes um, here in Atlanta. So I can't wait for you to hear from him. Uh, three things looking into the interview today um, that I think you should be aware of is that Terrence walked. Marched. Marched. Or walked. From whatever. Atlanta to Washington, D.C. Yeah, and for the cause of homelessness, to raise yeah, awareness. To bring awareness to it, and, and poverty in general. Yeah. He does these crazy campaigns, right? So many. He, the second thing I would say is that unique about Terrence is he is always finding creative campaigns like that to shed light on poverty and um, social issues in our day. Yeah. So he even, they talked about, he slept on a billboard. He slept on top of a, what was the other thing? A, a, a bus. Yeah. And he slept in shelters for long periods of time to, you know, to kind of feel how the people feel who sleep in shelters. It, He's just, he's got some great work going on. He's awesome. Um, and then lastly, I think one, one of the things I took away, and we'll talk more about at the end, as, as we do every time, we really do a breakdown at the very end of every podcast. Breakaway. No. Oh, breakdown. Oh, shoot. Right. Breakdown. <laughs> breakdown. Got it. Keep going. I got to, do I got to write notes for you? Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Remember at the end of every podcast, we do a breakdown. Yeah. Okay. Breakdown. Anyway, um, we'll talk about it at the end, but. They, they really serve with their kids, and I think they give some really practical thoughts on that. Yeah, they definitely bring their kids along into whatever they're doing. So let's get right into it. Terrence and Cecilia Lester. So let's start by just the two of you sharing a little bit about what you each do first. Uh, my name is Terrence Lester, and I'm the executive director of a nonprofit in Atlanta, Georgia, and the name of it is Love Beyond Walls. And my name is Cecilia Lester, and I am Terrence's wife, <laughs> and um, I actually help with um, Love Beyond Walls, and I also work for ADP. AD, what'd you say? ADP. ADP. The accounting? Uh -huh. uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> payroll, yep, right? Yes, payroll. Well, I actually do benefits for Benefits. ADP. Man, might need to talk about that after this. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, so we want to hear, first of all, your love story. How did you guys find each other? What? You want the truth or you want... <laughs> uh, see, this is what the happens, truth. right? Always the truth. <laughs> the truth? I have the truth. Okay, go ahead. You want to... No, you... Yeah. Okay. No, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> see? So I was um, 
she was at a college and my friend actually attended this college and uh, I was here in Atlanta and wanted to get away. Uh, so I asked my friend if I could come visit him on campus. And, you know, just like all colleges, they have like game rooms and stuff like that where college kids hang out. So um, uh, there was this like pool table and like, what is it, uh, ping pong and all this stuff and all of the kids, all of the cool kids were hanging out in this uh, this game room or whatever, and I walked in. Mm. Oh my <laughs> I, wa- I walked in. Same. You know, there was this long pause because everybody looked my way, including her. <laughs> I was just playing. But um, I walked <laughs> in, and uh, she she was standing over there next to the pool table. Mm-hmm. And I asked my friend, who who is that? You know, who is that? So I walked up to her, and I made a comment. And uh, I think my pickup line was, hey, what type of cell phone service you have? Because I think... What? That- it's, it's like friends and family. You remember no, when you could talk like, free? Yeah. No, you did not. And yeah, and That's I was what like, you started with. Yeah, I started with that. I said, "Oh, we could talk for free." Yeah. So she she gave me her number. Yeah, that's what's that's, your story? Yeah, it was about the same, but a little different. Um, <laughs> but a little bit. Yeah, he, when he came, he came in and um, he was noticed, and he came over. And he asked me about that. And then you also asked, what church did I go to? Um, And I was like, yeah, I didn't go to church right then. Because, (laughs) I mean, I'm at school, you know, so taking a little break. Um, And, yeah. So we started talking and he invited me to church. That was like a big thing because I was like, okay, he want to talk to me and he want to invite me to church. So that was like big. So that was the... Second part of the truth. <laughs> so how far apart were y'all? Like, were you long um, distance for Yeah, a so, while? so yeah, from college, I lived about two hours, but he was like an hour away from the school. Okay. So it was, it was closer for me to see him than it was to go home. So, yeah. Yeah, and then we, for a long time, we had like this long no distance relationship, relationship uh, because even after you went moved back home after you finished uh that particular college you were two hours away yeah and i would um make these long drives <laughs> to see her yeah but it was worth it mm-hmm. yeah. i think so yeah. yeah so did you date all through college then not and necessarily then... all through college but kind of because we yeah because we i was there about a year before i met him and then i continued on and went to another school and finished okay yeah and it was like an easy story from there right yeah terrence walks in asks for your number it's (laughs) done no 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 um and i was gonna say like he pushed me because i um so i started out like at a two-year school and transferred to four-year graduated and then he was in he was doing his master's degree i think your first master's degree and I was like, I don't want any more degrees. I'm good with my bachelor's. And um, just seeing him work and, you know, um, pursue more made me, you know, be like, okay, well, what are you going to do? So um, he pushed me to get my master's degree, too. So we kind of yeah. did that together. I, I think we pushed each other, though. Um, I don't know. I was I was driven at a young age because I – I knew we married early, so I married. We married. You were out. You were twenty, turning twenty-one. I was mm-hmm. twenty-three, and um, 
I knew early on that I, I wanted to be in a, a committed relationship where we could, I could have a spouse or a partner where we could build together, like just as a team, you know, not like me on top and or she on top or her on top, but rather like, you know, we're just working to build a foundation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we pushed each other um, even at a young age. Like we were very specific about goals that we wanted to achieve and we had similar painful family stories so we knew that we wanted to create something different if we were to have children and if we were to have a future together so and i think um us getting married so young um kind of helps even for now because a lot of times people ask like um you know how y'all so close and you know, do y'all have money issues and this, all these struggles? And I'm like, well, we kind of been walking together, you know, we were with each other and we had absolutely nothing. Like, right. not to say that we have a lot now, but like we had nothing but yeah. each other and like a, a broke down car and yeah. <laughs> apartment, <Jokes. laughs> you know, and we used to just joke in the apartment and like find things to laugh um, either at or at each other. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and too, like that joking that part of our relationship helped us to find a sense of purpose together. Because yeah. I remember um, I was like 23, college student. You were still in college. We were married. We were still eating like Raymond noodles, noodles and all that stuff. <laughs> but we had fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think one day, remember that day that we were about to complain because we didn't have enough uh, resources to do anything extra. And we were like, and there are people out here worse off than us. So instead of complaining, I think we decided to like um, pack a bags, bags of excess stuff yeah, that we had take and take it to give to somebody who had less than us. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started like our whole journey of, oh, wow, you know, we can care for people even though we have our own struggles, too. Wow. Yeah. And share a little bit about that. So that's led into Well, first of all, you've been married how many years now? 11. 11 years. years. You have two children. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, in the midst of that, it definitely, like that story, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other ones, led to you and this purpose you guys do together. Can you share a little bit about how you would explain what, what you do? So, um, what do you mean, what we do? Like, every day? Yeah. Okay, so um, it kind of started about 10 years ago. Um, we packed up our in this 11 years oh, 11 year, a little bit more than that yeah probably because it was right before ago. we got married yeah. um we would um pack up our car um just in those moments of like trying to figure out what else we can do you know to help someone else and take items downtown um we would do it so frequently that our friends um would ask like when are the next time y'all taking things down we want to help and it kind of turned into like groups of people coming with us, yeah. like kind of organically. That was, like, that was like before social media was a yeah, big thing. Yeah, no, no like, social media or anything, and it was like fifty or sixty people with us. Yeah, and people would bring stuff, and like our garage would always be full, <laughs> and like we were we were having to send text messages just yes. to think now, like we were mm-hmm. sending text messages. That's crazy, but um. Yeah, and people would always just want to engage uh, the vulnerable community uh, with us. And it wasn't like we were doing it to be seen or known. It was just like a passion to remind us of 
how blessed we were and how much uh, we should still be grateful even though we were going through the struggle ourselves. And then it connected us to, um, to our personal pains that we both shared in terms of um, our, our family pains that we, we carried. Uh, we just, I think for us, it was, it was a part of our own personal healing from our personal stories and a way for us to contribute to society. And that's kind of morphed into this whole idea of how do we um, bring visibility to people who go through the same pains that we went through as kids and as young adults and as teens um, in a respectful way that uh, shows people who are vulnerable that there is a community out there that may not even be their family members that can help them in their process of, of transitioning out of their their pains and their um, their wrestle with poverty and homelessness. Yeah, I was going to add to that because um, I kind of feel like um, something that you said with like our, with our family. Um, when when I was younger, like mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily my family that helped me out or like brought me out of the environment that I was in. It was always people that I didn't know, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or people that you know kind of came into my life and saw something, you know, and wanted to pour into that. So. Um, that's where, you know, a lot of the drive that I have, you know, with the organization um, Love Beyond Walls because um, we're able to be that person, you know, when someone feels down or they feel like, you know, no one's there for them hmm. and to come up and give them a hand up, so. Yeah, yeah. and I have sim similar stories like there were total strangers that, um, I don't know, saw potential in me when um, I really didn't have the, the support I really needed from my family. And, uh, you know, just to think of where we are now because of total strangers uh, that showed us love, that took love beyond walls in our personal lives uh, is also one of the reasons why we do what we do. I mean, even the like when we were getting married, we didn't have any resources. Like we Nothing. couldn't, it was, it was total strangers who became mentors to us that were in their fifties that saw potential that paid for our whole wedding. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like people, it, it, when I was in Bible college and um, working through that process, people, uh, you know, chipped in together to help me pay for my education. Uh, it was, it was people who kept seeing potential in me over and over again. Um, that calls us to be where we are, so. I think that's beautiful, like how it comes from like a deeper place and part of your story. Um, we always talk about the things that we do are and like the passions that we have are not true unless it comes from like a place of hurt or mm -hmm. a place of darkness mm -hmm. or, um, yeah. Or because then it's just not true, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just like putting it out there to be a savior or be a hero, but it's mm -hmm. not like from a true place. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, I mean, because with the work that we do, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, there are days I go home where I just want to hit an easy button, or there are days I want to go home and just say, man, forget it but it's so connected to my personal story that it's hard to quit. 
So giving up on this is also, it's, it feels like I would be giving up on a part of myself. Mm -hmm. or, or giving up or kind of feeling like, you know, somebody could have given up on us. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah. All right, I'm going to transition a little bit. Mm -hmm. And say, um, I know Terrence has all these crazy ideas, right? Am I right? Yes. Is that fair? Okay. I, 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 this I is going to shock you. Though. A... Ask away. <laughs> and so I'm curious, like, how do you be an encouragement to that? And how do you also at times shut that down? Or how has that, how has that been something that, how have you wrestled with that as a, as a family? That's funny because most of the time I'm like the one that's pushing him to do like the craziness. <laughs> and I do that because I just kind of feel like um, a lot of times we talk about like in a noisy world, like you have to um, kind of um, step out of the box, you know, to grab the attention and not the attention, like bad attention, but like to get um make people here yeah to make them people. see you know that there are people out here that need it there are people out here that's hurting and if you don't do something that's like out of the box people will just pass you know away or act as if it, it, it doesn't exist so a lot of times i'm like pushing him or like yeah. making him do things or so talk about <laughs> some of the crazy things you've done over the last five years just like well, him sleeping on top of the bus like we were in a conversation like, i'm just putting this out there yeah like for a, a month, month. <laughs> for a month we were um, having a conversation with our team, and um, he was like, well, I got to get this bus wrapped. We got to get this bus transformed. And everybody was just, you know, trying to think of ideas. And I was like, why don't you sleep on top of it? <laughs> he was and, like, <laughs> yeah, and for me, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you would let me do that? Yeah. And she yeah. was like, well, I guess <laughs> I would. And then I was like, for real? And then she was like, yeah. And then we started talking about, well, how long would it be? How, you know, and um, we finally settled, settled on an entire month about the, and that was symbolic of the number of people that we can reach in a month yeah. uh, with the bus. And then there was, uh, when I first started the organization, I lived as a homeless person in the heart of the city. And, um, I think that whole idea started around a conversation I was having with a guy experiencing homelessness where we were talking about a shelter and he he said it's more comfortable outside than it is in the shelter. And I um, that did something to me. I was just like, wow, why is it that way? So I took it to her and- uh, That was she, like the first <laughs> Yeah, she pushed crazy. me to do that. And then um, mm -hmm. there was another time uh, I met this third grader we were in the school talking about some of the things that we do with our organization. And this third grader was in trouble. And she was in trouble in this Title I school because she had been wearing the same clothes for like the whole week. She hadn't washed them and she was being made fun of and she was standing up for herself so she got in trouble. And I remember leaving there I was like, I asked her <laughs> if I could donate all my clothes to Cherry and wear one outfit for like three months so we could build like a closet or closets in these schools so kids like that wouldn't um, not have access to clothes, you know? I mean, it was just, it was heartbreaking. I remember growing up and my mom was a single parent having to work multiple jobs and we still didn't have enough. I mean, since then she's gone on to achieve success, but I understand still that child struggle. So she let me do that. 
<laughs> and then she pushed me to walk across the country. Yeah, that was a big one. And yeah, <laughs> here recently she uh, pushed me to go and sleep in the shelter. Yeah, that was uh, that all was, me. Uh, transitioning <laughs> the clothes. So then, when you said walk across the country, just for clarity, you walked from Atlanta to Washington D.C. To, to Washington D.C. as a march to bring awareness to poverty, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, and you and at, he's walking all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're basically leading the family, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. Yep. Uh, how do you deal with that? I mean, how have you dealt with those seasons? I mean, I guess you knew and you supported him in that and mm-hmm. believed in him to do that. And then, but you took on a huge responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I guess a lot of people say it's hard, but I mean, you just do what you have to do, you know? Um, how did you feel though? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it was deep, you know, he, when you're used to having someone there, like your protector, you know, the person that like, if something happened, you can lean on, you know, is not there. Um, you kind of think through those things, but like, uh, I felt like I knew what he was striving to do. And I knew that it was bigger than me. It was bigger than us. So I just felt like if I didn't let him do it, like I'm holding him back from, you know. Yeah, being... too. We, we have, um, I think we're just blessed with like a community of family members oh, yeah, and people too. who like step up and um, fill the gaps because mm-hmm. like I would tell her all the time, like I don't want to leave unless certain things are covered where. Well, everything know. is taken care of before, yeah. like all of the campaigns. And that's another thing like you have to think of because like there's trust there. You know, I kind of feel like if, you know, he was stepping out or like doing other things, how can I let him go? You know, so I feel like there's trust, you know, in our household. And I know that, you know, he wouldn't do anything like to hurt himself or to bring harm upon us. So um, usually before every campaign, like we talk this thing out, like we have a whiteboard. I mean, mean, every single detail is like. (laughs) Uh, to the what T, you know, yeah, if this, especially with the walk though, like we were yeah. like, what if this happened? And you know, what if something happened to me while he's gone? You know, like we thought about or happened to me or him, you know, yeah. so, um, I, we have a really good board and they really challenged us to make sure, you know, that everything, oh, it was like 300 questions. I had yeah. to come, come, I mean, we came up with like these FAQs, not for outside people but just for our family Mm -hmm. uh to process through and um you know there are certain things that like you you really don't have answers for and you just have to take a risk but then there are certain like factors that you have to be certain about i mean we had to have we had conversations with our kids prepping Mm -hmm. them up um getting them prepared and um, i think we've done a really great job about adding servant leadership as a core value of our family. Just like you'll see a normal family where they have in their family, they have rhythms of going to play tennis or going to do something. Servant, serving people and having servant leadership qualities is a core. So it's not something that we are forcing our family to do. We, it's natural to our kids. Mm-hmm. It's normal for yeah. them to have empathy toward other people. and. I'm just really grateful. It's not something that they have to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. It's something that they are made up of 
we started. We yeah, started. I was say, we started when Zion was like but, one. Yeah. Like we have videos of her, like me holding her on my hip, like yeah. other people holding her while we're serving and. Yeah, like, but we get started. a chance to see our kids. Like my daughter led her first fundraising oh, campaign yeah. in second grade. They raised like fifty-two dollars for the homeless. Like mm -hmm. she's, you know, educating her whole class about this. Or my son. Uh, was talking to his class about you being on top of the bus. <laughs> yeah, and like for them to see that at an early age, it just it reinforces a, a core value that we we uh, make a response. I guess a priority, serve, mm -hmm. right? Serve. Yeah. yeah, that serving is a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask what are some like basic things y'all do with your kids oh, in yeah. terms of yeah, like just educating and. Mm. Um, I think a lot of kids have fears mm -hmm. about it. Well, how about this now? Parents yeah, have a lot yeah, of fears. Yeah. <laughs> Let's back up. Yeah. Uh, parents have a lot of fears mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think, you know, you see on the street, like, you know, if there's a homeless person or anybody, you know, you're, you're shuffling your kids away. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you see that happen a lot or you mm -hmm. see. Um, and so how, how would you like, talk to parents or kids or practical examples y'all have done mm. to like make this yeah real yeah. and compassionate and you know yeah i think um they watch us you know they mm -hmm. see what we do um we had an instance where um we were driving downtown and i think you were driving and my son was like i'm sad and he was like well why are you sad like what's going on with you and he was like there's a homeless guy right there and he don't have what did he say he doesn't have a home he doesn't have friends. a home yeah he doesn't have friends and he was like um and you know i have friends and what how did it go because yeah we were at a stoplight and um he's just basically saying i'm sad we were like what's going on buddy you know and uh he says that homeless guy doesn't have a house or friends and i said uh do you want to talk to him yeah that was it and uh, so I roll down the window and I say, you know, hey, I invited the guy over and I introduced myself and I say, hey, this is my son, Terrence. He would like to talk to you. And uh, he says, um, hey, I, he, he said, I'm Terrence and I'm your friend and uh, I care about the poor, poor people. Yeah. <laughs> and, the guy, and, the, and the guy bust out laughing. He told, he told my son that that was the most encouraging thing he had heard all week. Mm -hmm. um, but not only modeling, uh, you know, through our lifestyle, but we love to have conversations with our kids about real issues um, and breaking it down so they can understand like in their their little world because mm -hmm. if not you know i think it's a greater shock factor when they grow up and have to like discover things that we didn't prepare them for i mean because like there are things that i'm still discovering and you probably are too because there were some gaps in our family and uh the struggles in our family that just did not prepare us and we had to have this growth track that was accelerated through experiences versus giving them a head start with the information that they need. So um, not only do we model, we have talks, and then we thirdly, we uh, create safe experiences for them yeah. where they can see people as people. And uh, you kind of deconstruct this idea, idea of us versus them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all of us. 
And at it, any given point, it could be you, you know? Mm-hmm. So we kind of teach them that way. Love that. Um, getting real about like serving people with needs, right? Like mm-hmm. there is endless needs in this city. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm curious for the two of you, if there are ever times when you are like, uh, I don't know how to ask this question, Claire, but like this tension of what did the two of you need versus serving the needs of others? You get mm. what I mean? Like yeah. whether that's in your family, your, yeah. the relationship between mm-hmm. the two, mm-hmm. have you ever had those moments where it's like, is it us or is it this mission? I think it, I think it started out that way because, um, in our organization, we would, most of our volunteers would always show up on the weekends. And then we, that was real difficult because you work all week and then you don't have a weekend or a day to yourself. And it's like, man, like I gotta get up and I've been working all week, but I'm getting up to not only serve those who are in need, but to serve the need in the volunteer (laughs) because they have a need to want to do something. Right. And, um, when we, when we first got our center and, you know, I I talked to my wife and I was like, we're going to have to create some rhythms where people can plug in throughout the week and have a hard no where we can protect our weekend. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like my whole, my Saturdays were being, I don't want to say raw, but they were like, I wasn't able to really spend time, the time that I wanted with my, my kids, but I would have to forfeit like missing opportunities to connect and engage with new volunteers. And I was, I got to this point where I was just like, you know, this is not going to take me away from my family. So we, um, we moved from doing things on every weekend to doing things once a week that was delegated uh, the leadership responsibility was delegated to somebody else to lead where we could, I could work through all the, out throughout the week and then have my time with my family on the weekend. Because if not, I, man, you know, it probably would have uh, created distance between us, would you mm-hmm. say? Yeah, I think um, we started like our date nights um, where like every week for like, I don't know, like years, years yeah. like, that day was our date night and we didn't whether you know something came up or whatever we had to like say no or designate you know different things and with a startup you know it's hard to say no you know in the beginning you want to say yes and you're a yes person but no we had to say no because um yeah pulled us away from our date nights like Mm -hmm. even like after this interview we're dating tonight yes but we had to get we, we we had to get back to that because like man the startup life will yes. I mean it will suck it will it will suck you dry yeah. it will drain you right yeah it will pull you away from everything you love um, with this idea that you're chasing something whatever that something is for mm-hmm. the individual of. Like you're gonna arrive, yeah. and I, I love John Maxwell's thought is destination disease, right? Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. you feel like you get somewhere, then there's another place you got to feel like you're gonna get to, and it's yeah. never ending. Yeah. <laughs> and and you just find out like, oh, well, this is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not some place that we're trying to get to. It's wherever God is leading us, and we're just in for the journey. So we pull back. 
So there's this premise of this project that Andrew and I are doing, this question, and I'm curious how you would answer this question. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and have a healthy family? Yes. I, I think you can. I think you can with balance. Like, mm. um, just like he was talking about, you know, having our date nights, um, making sure we make time for our kids, because I kind of feel like if you don't schedule things, they just don't happen. So mm. a lot of times we schedule them. Like, we're going to have our date night Friday night. We're going to spend time with our kids on Saturday and Sunday. You know, um, we're going to make sure that we're home at a certain time. And I think that as long as you purposely plan things out, love and work can happen. Yeah. You, yeah, you have to be really intentional. So, um, you know, there are old traditional values in terms of relational connection, whereas, like, a woman is supposed to do certain things or a man is supposed to do certain things. And I think we have a, a good balance of shared responsibilities. Like, we know how to lean in whenever one of us needs a, a gap filled. Mm -hmm. um, I think we also know how to respect each other's strengths. Like, when it comes to planning stuff for our family, <laughs> like, I can have ideas about stuff, but um, my wife is really great about being intentional to put them on our calendar. And we, we do that in advance, so... Um, I won't have things on my calendar that will pull us away from the time that we could have. Mm -hmm. And then there are times where, you know, she leans on me for different things um, in terms of how we operate and function in our family. And I just think it's a, a great balance. But it has to be a core value, I say, to anybody. Like, we have, like, we taught our kids early, God first, family second. Uh, career, ministry, whatever it is you call it, third, you know, and then relationships. Because if not, if you don't go by those values, right, mm -hmm. uh, one will usurp the other. Yeah. Yep. So I think you can, man. I think you, like, this is my best friend. Like, literally, you know, uh, we're in this together. Like, we still laugh after mm -hmm. 11 years. Like, we laugh at each other and joke with each other all the time. And I think that just keeps the, the relationship healthy. Mm -hmm. But we also love what we do together. Yeah. You know, it's not like, um, oh, you're going to do this. And no, it's like we see this as something, a mission that our family is on. And that's why I think, like, with us getting married early, I think we kind of built this thing that we have together. It wasn't like, you know, okay, he's up here, you know, I'm down here, whatever. It was like we're walking together. Yeah. So everything like we do is like, okay, we're walking on this together. And yeah. And know. if we don't talk about it, we don't yeah, do it. It doesn't that's, happen. That's period. Like I'm not the type of guy that will go out and try to make a decision without consulting with my wife first. Like I'm Better not. not. That, yeah, right. yeah. Right. Like I'm not, I, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, man. Like <laughs> I'm just not that dude. You know, there are some guys who will go out and just make decisions that are, you know, irrational, and then they come back into their family. I'm like, no, I need to start with family first. And if they're on board, then that frees me up to have, like, so much freedom in what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why you always, like, <laughs> in his talks, he's like, yeah, I went to my wife, and I asked her, and I was yeah. thinking in my head, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, 
it's it's so funny like our, how our relationship is because um even with the campaigns and different things like I think like how can a wife not support something like that you know like if because I get it all the time like why would you let him do this and why would you um you know let him sleep on the bus for 30 days aren't you concerned or aren't you this and that yeah I'm concerned you know but but you know I where just, he's at yeah, those I know 30 days yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah I know where he is and I and, and we've talked about it you yeah. know he didn't just go out there and do it yeah and then I, we're we're like why would you not do nothing? Mm-hmm. You know, is nothing okay? Yeah, is nothing okay? Like, mm-hmm. is it okay to just exist this normal life, you know, have these rhythms, and then at the end of life leave no mark, or you, you're not empathetic toward anybody, or you have no impact? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, because if you don't try, how, how would you know if it'll work? Like, right. that's what anything that you set, you know, out to do if you don't try or like a business or anything like that, you don't know if it's gonna, what's gonna happen with it, you know, time will tell, so. Can you tell us uh, about Voiceless before, like sure. what's happening with that and. Yeah, um, so as a result of the walk to Washington, um, <laughs> thanks for allowing me to do it, but uh, we documented the journey and we interviewed tons and tons of people uh, wrestling with poverty across the country. And uh, we comprised it, in, well, we compiled it into a documentary, and we called it Voiceless. And we just had our first public screening at the Center for Civil and Human Rights, and we have six more screenings and four potential screenings coming up. Um, and the response has been amazing uh, yeah. from people from all walks of life. Like, I think it's something in the film that everybody can relate to. But greater than that, it challenges people to look at their lives and become introspective to say, what am I doing to uh, contribute to our world? And how am I uh, able to use maybe your excess or knowledge or skills or wisdom to uh, pour into people who are vulnerable? So I'm excited about it. And Jeff, you wrote a uh, endorsement. I appreciate that. You've been a, a huge encouragement, believe it or not. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to interview them today, aren't you? Yeah. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, thank Thank you. you for having us. And now it's time for the breakdown. I said break away before, didn't I? No. It's a breakdown. (laughs) I know. It's just inside my head. I keep thinking, break away. Okay. Breakdown. So. They're so great. Yeah. I kind of got a little emotional in that talk. Uh, in their interview. I really did. Um, I was getting all teary-eyed. I don't know if you could tell, but... They deeply care about people. Well, I think the big thing when I got really emotional is that they um, talk about that their projects are rooted out of their personal experience and that they're dealing with like the wounds from their childhood and it's helping them kind of in those areas and yeah that just gets to me like that's that's true we always talk about that apply with like if you're pursuing a problem that doesn't isn't part of your own story that you won't stick with it when it's hard and he's one of those guys that like when you know him you know he's going to be with it for a long time and it's rooted deep like deep into them and i think that's just beautiful i wrote down something that really stuck with me when one person in a family is pursuing a dream everyone in the family is part of that dream. 
Yeah, that was really good. And also just how they're integrating their whole family into that, you know, how they really make efforts with their kids to introduce them to homelessness, to introduce them to poverty issues in a safe way and a place that the kids aren't scared of it and don't have fear. That reminds me of all the conversations we've had with our oldest daughter trying to make sense of what I do. And, um, and so we're at a, a time now where we want to introduce her more and more of it, introduce her to it more and more. And it, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love their conversations. They're having great conversations with their kids. And it's one of those conversations that this interview was something to like, remember to prompt and to do that, you My, know, move into that more with our own kids. Yeah. Which led to this last thought we have. If you bring your kids along in service opportunities, they will naturally start serving other people. Yes. I think a lot of people are parenting in a way where they only are trying to protect their kids from bad things. Yeah, that fear, out of fear, parenting out of fear is just not good. But when you integrate them into your life, you introduce them to things, they're actually going to start serving earlier on in life. Yeah, and we want kind kids, right? We want kids with empathy, with sympathy, with kindness flowing out of them that see the world and see people that are broken and hurting. And I think that's the way to do it. I love it. Terrence, and they're, they're incredible people. I love you guys. So thankful. Thank you. Yes. That's the Love at Work podcast.